Hello, Lakerland, and thanks for tuning in to the Lakers Underground podcast. During this episode, we talk about how the Lakers will make the playoffs. In the games following the trade deadline, which, by the way, did not lead to Anthony Davis donning a Laker uniform, the Lakers have played basketball in the way that you would expect a team to play if they wanted to lose in order to get a lottery pick, very much the same way that we saw the Sixers play over the last decade leading up to last season where they made the playoffs. The problem is we have LeBron James on our roster, which means you're not competing to lose. And in fact, his legacy's kind of on the line here. And I'm convinced the Lakers will make the playoffs due to that fact. And LeBron most certainly will will the team to the playoffs, even if he gets minimal help from the rest of the team. Before we get to the playoff run, do you all remember Dell Demps? You know, that Pelicans guy who led Magic Johnson to believe he would willingly trade one of the league's top players named Anthony Davis midseason after he requested a trade the week prior. Yeah, that guy. Well, Anthony Davis left mid-game the other night last week due to injury of his shoulder. And when I say he left the game, I mean literally Anthony Davis actually left the arena before the game was even over, just gone, left with his agent. The Pelicans' owner, Gail Benson, was none too pleased, and ESPN actually is reporting that she wants an absolute overhaul of the Pelicans. And as you can imagine, Del Demps was fired, and a search for a GM to take command of the Davis trade talks and reshape the team's future, you know, going forward. This is, is obviously this is really good news for possibly Laker fans, but it is good news for the Pelicans. Not that we really care too much. Uh, but while I, I believe Dell Demps, while making Magic Johnson and the Lakers look pretty foolish, he also made a fool of the Pelicans organization and himself, which would make other GMs, I would think, it would make other GMs think twice before dealing with a guy who would string another team along the way that he did while you know all this information was being leaked out to the media. I would presume this leaking was typically from that end of it, not the Lakers' end, I, I would hope. And the questions to be asked this summer, you know, obviously this is if the Pelicans, I'm sure they'll find a GM by the uh, July 1st uh, start of free agency, that uh, the question that we would ask for this summer will be a couple a couple of them. You know, if the Lakers, number one, if the Lakers will have the best offer on the table during that time, or number two, will the Lakers even want to deal for Anthony Davis this summer? Because they could just wait another year and presumably get him without losing a single player via free agency the following summer. So why would you get rid of all these players just for essentially one year? Back to the first question, the Lakers have to have the best deal on the table. And not only the best deal, but they have to, they have, to have the best deal including the Laker tax. The, the Laker tax, if you're not familiar is the idea that the Lakers always have to pay more for trading with other teams because other teams have a vested interest in the Lakers not being successful or dominant as we tend to be. 
even though the Lakers are a family-run organization, the Lakers, we're in the second largest market in the country. And with that, other teams are not eager to make the same trade they would as if they were trading with, say, the Memphis Grizzlies. So those are the two questions heading into the summer. So NBA All-Star Weekend was this past weekend, and I, for one, I watched every single activity. I enjoy NBA All-Star Weekend. No, we don't see really the best basketball that can possibly be played. We see a, a very inflated offense, you know, whichever game you're watching. And it started with, on, on Friday night, it started with the Celebrity Game, which, just to kind of have a couple of comments on each on each activity... The Celebrity Game was actually the most competitive game that I ever remember watching. This this game featured, in my opinion, it featured Jay Williams and Ray Allen. They were the two the two names uh, that really drew me to be watching watching this game. Jay Williams, man, that dude looks like he can still ball. If you remember Jay Williams, he he now is an ESPN analyst. He was a point guard for Duke. I believe he was drafted in the early, it was the early 2000s, maybe 2000, 2001, 2003. And I think he might have even been the second overall draft pick. But his career was uh, cut short due to, I believe, a motorcycle accident, if I'm not mistaken. But, man, the guy looked really, really good. I understand he's playing against you know, some not-so-great talent, but... You know, just some of the moves, the vision, and whatnot. I mean, all that stuff. That's it's still there. He, you know, knocked down a couple three pointers, and it was it was fun to watch him play. Ray, Ray Allen, he was fun to play, uh, fun to watch too. He seemed to be going at you know twenty percent speed. You know, he obviously pulled up, made some you know, four pointers in the game, looked really nice, and com- uh, the commentators were uh, talking about you know how he can still play. He could probably suit up an NBA jersey tomorrow and I, I don't think that is true I didn't I didn't see Ray Allen as like yeah obviously the guy's in shape but I didn't see Ray Allen being able to defend like anybody in the league uh based on what I saw there but of course he can still shoot I don't think any of us really ever doubted the fact that he would still have a shooter's touch I mean he's arguably the greatest shooter in NBA history if not the greatest, he's he's obviously one of them, and that's I would say he's one of them. The, after the celebrity game, the Rising Stars Challenge, in my opinion, was pretty uneventful. Now, the Lakers' own Kyle Kuzma won the MVP of this game, but if you watched the game, you probably wouldn't have <laughs> wanted to give it to anybody. I get it; he scored like thirty-six points or whatnot. But you know, we we joke all the time about how there's no defense in all-star games, et cetera. But uh, my friends, there was really no defense in this game. In the final minutes of the game, just to give you an idea, each team was essentially just standing around and throwing the ball, inbounding the ball from one side to the court to the other, back and forth, back and forth, making dunks and layups. And it was just bizarre. It was awful to watch. I should have just turned the game off. But Kyle Kuzma, you know, he may have scored the most points in the game, but it was mostly on, like, I can't even really get too excited about it. Yeah, I'm happy for the guy. He won MVP. He kind of gets his name out there. People are going to pay a little more attention to him. 
but you know, he, he, most of his points were on like junk layups that he didn't even, he didn't work for like a single point. He didn't work for a single point that he scored the whole game. Everything that he got, these junk layups that he got were all set up by his teammates. <laughs> so the, the rising stars challenge. Yes. Very happy for our own very, uh, our, excuse me, our very own Kyle Kuzma, but it was a pretty uneventful game. I, I would hope maybe the league can do something to try to make this game a little more competitive. You would think that, again, it's a rising stars game. Guys who have been in the league for not even a full year and and, and some other guys who have been in the league for a year and a half, you would think that they would want to prove themselves with the other guys on there. I don't know. It's just It just wasn't fun to watch and just, I mean, yeah, I, I won't go on with that. So, that was uh that was Friday night. Saturday, of course, you have the skills challenge, dunk contest, three point contest. The skills challenge was won by Jason Tatum. This the skills challenge was it, it's not my favorite. It's everything just seems too too easy. It it was one and, and it, I mean it takes like ten seconds for it to get done. Like come up with something different. Like do like an actual maybe something that's going to take you a minute or two that I don't know if they can come up with something like that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be more enthused about it, but when you have centers and I understand the point of putting some centers out there, cause they can obviously uh, pass the ball, shoot the ball, dribble the ball really well in today's NBA. So I understand that, but to me, a skills challenge is going to be primarily one or at least come you know, the people competing for it the most are going to be the, you know, guards, wings. But um, it was uh, won by Jason Tatum. It was on an unexpected half-court shot that, that banked in. That was pretty cool. So Jason Tatum of the Celtics won the skills challenge. Dunk contest. That was won by a Thunder player named Hamadou Diallo, who I've never heard of. I was uh, thinking Dennis Smith Jr. was going to take this uh, take this home. He, I don't know. I I get kind of annoyed after the retry after retry after retry. I I mean I'm glad that they made the rule where you have three retries. That's it. Three tries and that's it. But if you don't actually go to attempt a dunk, it doesn't count as a try. It's just I don't know. It got it got annoying. Um, but Hamadou Diallo. I don't want to take anything away from him. My favorite dunk of the whole night was by him. And it was this awesome dunk over Shaq. And it seemed as though, and sometimes the stuff is scripted to where they act like they didn't know we're going to be a part of it. So who knows? Maybe Shaq did, you know, maybe Shaq actually did know he was going to be a part of it. But they, they call Shaq out of the crowd. And Diallo puts the ball up in the air. And goes and dunks over Shaq, grabs the ball, dunks over Shaq, and ends up hanging on the rim a la Carter by the crook of his elbow. And it was awesome. It was especially impressive. I mean, nearly every other dunk was pretty unimpressive. There was a dunk where uh, I think it was probably Dennis Smith uh, Jr. where he dunked over Dwayne Wade, but it was after... Diallo dunked over Shaq and was like, yeah, you're not really going to win any points 
for dunking over a 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", guard versus Diallo dunking over Shaquille O'Neal, 7'1", Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, so uh, most of the dunks are pretty unimpressive, but that that dunk was really, really something. It was awesome. So the three-point contest, I th- I actually really, really enjoyed the three-point contest. It had a field of about 10 players. And I have to say, I like. I wish it actually went three rounds, given the amount of players. So they 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 go with ten players, right? So given the amount of players, especially like obviously you're in the three point contest, but like there's like really great three point shooting players. Like in the past, you've had guys in, entering that contest that you know shooting thirty percent, thirty three percent from from three. Like they've got like almost. These 45% to 47% three-point shooters in this contest. And I just, I really wanted to go three rounds instead of two. So you have your stack of 10 players that start out. And then the second, um, just, you, you just, you, three players go, move on, as I believe how it goes. And I just, I just kind of left that and kind of wanting more, really. I would have liked for Dirk to have had a, a second round with it, stuff like that. And obviously he didn't, he didn't shoot very well anyway, but he may not have even made it to the next round if he did three. But before all that happened, a a really cool uh, moment happened before it even began is when they, they brought out some really great Hornets players. So Del Curry came out and uh, these Hornets players of old come out. They took some shots for charity. It was kind of cool how they set it up. They brought the, the three Curries out there, Seth, Steph, and Dell, and they uh, Dell ended up bringing out some of his old former players, and one of them was our very own former Laker champion, Glenn Rice, who was a part of, I believe, our ninety nine two thousand championship team. And for me, it is always cool to see former players take the court and play or shoot or just something. And this was a really neat moment. So that was a lot of fun. The All-Star Game, which would have been Sunday, the All-Star Game Sunday night, that was, I don't know. I didn't see anything. Okay, one one play, maybe two, but really probably one play like really stood out. And that was Steph Curry with an alley-oop to the Greek freak. So Steph Curry bounces the ball real hard off the off the floor over, I believe it was Kevin Durant even, 6'10", 6'11", Kevin Durant, bounces this ball over Kevin Durant and over the rim. So Greek freak is on the other side of the rim, opposite side of the rim, and he comes in for the alley-oop. It was really, really fun. Uh, that was a really cool moment. So that was probably the big standout moment for me was right there. The All-Star game, first half, obviously zero defense, super annoying. And they say they do this for the fans. Like I don't know of one fan that says, yeah, I want to watch a game with the best players in the world. And none of them play defense on each other. I don't know of one person that's ever told that to me. So I don't buy that. 
I don't know what the deal is, but I wish it would get fixed. So first half, uh, I think the team Giannis, I think they had 95 points in the first half. So, you know, on their way to 200, of course, they're not going to hit 200, 200. They're going to start playing a little bit of defense, hopefully, in the fourth quarter. But Team LeBron ends up coming back, wins the game, and Kevin Durant actually gets the MVP over Giannis, who I believe Durant had about 31 points. Giannis ended with like 38 or 39. Giannis's points, to be fair, very similar to Kuzma, where everything was just being set up for him. It was all these, you know, little junk bunnies, dunks, and layups and stuff. So you look at the stat sheet, you're like, yeah, how did Giannis not win this, even though he wasn't a losing team? But I mean, come on, it's an all-star game. And if you actually watch the game, yeah, I think I think he probably goes to somebody else. LeBron really didn't do too much in the game. Like, yeah, obviously he put out some stats, 19 points, eight boards. I don't know, four assists, something like that. And he, uh, I don't know, I think it was just, it just seemed to me that LeBron was just kind of letting everybody else be the the face of the All-Star game, if you will. So everybody else had a lot of fun. So anyways, nice weekend. It's a good weekend to watch some basketball, even if it is not the greatest basketball ever. It's just a a fun weekend for me. So Anyways, so we get to our playoff run. So the Lakers, we find ourselves in a pretty dire situation. LeBron was quoted during the All-Star break as saying that he's looking forward to the second half of the season, James said. Looking forward to seeing what we can do to get back in this playoff race. That's my only mindset. That's the only thing that's going to happen in my mental space for these next two months. Pretty much on how I can get this team playing the type of level of basketball we were playing before my injury, had tipped to LA Times with the quote, with a 28 and 29 record and 25 games remaining in the season, the Lakers are in the 10th place. We're three games out from the eighth and final seed in the playoffs. A LeBron, all right, so a LeBron James led team has not been under 500 this late into the season since his rookie year things even look (laughs) things look even worse when you consider the fact that the lakers were handed the worst loss in lebron james career by the indiana pacers by the way who were without their top player (laughs) and also the lakers are on a two-game losing streak when we are heading into the all-star break and have now lost seven of the last 10 games Things don't look so good in Lakerland right now. <laughs> All-Star weekend just seemed as though it just could not have come sooner. <laughs> sooner, excuse me. But uh, before before LeBron James, so before all this stuff happened, before LeBron James and Rajon Rondo went down with injuries in December, the Lakers were ranked number four in the Western Conference. And really, I mean, we were playing some decent basketball. Not great, but we were playing some really decent basketball we were able to win enough games. Again, we were the fourth seed in, in the MB, excuse me, in the uh, in the West. Now you fast forward to after LeBron sat out. I think it was about seventeen games, and he comes back to play a few games before the All Star game, and the Lakers drop six spots. These guys did not play well without LeBron. Obviously, we still had some Rondo 
uh, being out. So you have LeBron and Rondo out. Then Alonzo Ball gets injured. Rondo comes back after, I want to say, a couple of games. But LeBron now back. The team looked... LeBron maybe played, I don't know, three, four games. And the team just looked to be uninterested in in playing winning basketball. Coach Luke Walton seemed to have lost the locker room. And the Lakers even traded away a player who reportedly got in Luke's face. Uh, They traded away Michael Beasley. And it it cost us Zubats just to do it, just to get rid of the guy. And and now now here we sit after All-Star Weekend in which LeBron, of course, and also Kyle Kuzma, they took part in some festivities. And this is important because Kyle Kuzma, at this time, he should be thinking about his image and where he stands in the league against his peers after being part of this weekend. Because that's what this weekend's all about. And I fully expect the team to come out and begin to gel again like they were before LeBron went out with his injury. Now, I get it. The young players, they've proved that their feelings, they're a little hurt, right? So, but but now they've, they've had their time to reflect and hopefully get over the ill will that they may have towards, you know, management and, what, and, and whatnot. And, and they go out and they play with some pride. Again, I think it's important that, that we know that Kuzma is part of this, this weekend. And I think that this could really help uh, Kuzma's mentality, or at least it should. Uh, help his mentality coming out of coming out of the break here. Now our first game is against the Rockets. This may be a game that we that we lose. I hope we win this game, but this may be a game that that we just lose. Again, we're going to have to kind of relearn each other, just like we did at the beginning of the season. Now there's not a lot of time left, and I'm and I set this up because things again they they don't look good for us. But I still have a belief that we will be that eighth and final seed in. In the playoffs now, if some team if some teams do drop, it's possible for us to be as high as the sixth seed. It is. It's possible we could be as high as the sixth seed. But as we go into the final push here, what we have to remember is is LeBron James typically ends seasons pretty strong, and he 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 does some pretty great final pushes towards playoffs, and I think that he'll rally the troops. At this time of year, just to give you some perspective, this time of year he's deferred, uh, you know, earlier this year he's deferred many times. And he's done so to an extent to which I have felt that he's been uninterested. But that won't happen in the final 25 games of the season. As stated before, LeBron James has a legacy and he does not need on his resume first season with the Lakers misses the playoffs. We're only three games out from the eighth seed. There's 25 games remaining. The eighth seed in the West is held by the LA Clippers. So I'm going to kind of set up for us our path, if you will, to getting to the playoffs. So LA Clippers are currently trending to win 44 games. Keep this this number in mind. But while you do that, consider the fact that the Clippers, before the trade deadline, gave away their best player and also 
more. So they give away the best player and they give up other guys and they free up a bunch of cap space. And I would be surprised if they are actively trying to make the playoffs. It would seem a little more responsible for Doc Rivers and and the Clippers to play their young players, see what kind of talent they have. And again, you're playing these young players to the extent that you're trying to get them time. You're not trying to really win games. I mean, you will win games in the process, but you're not out there running lineups and plays to beat every team. You're out there. You're going to just kind of run a process and see what these guys have. And in that process, you're going to lose more games and get a better draft pick. So I personally consider the Clippers to drop out over time. So I see them as a non-factor. And I see the Lakers definitely finishing the season ahead of the Clippers. The only way that doesn't happen is that the Clippers somehow find a pride to try to beat the Lakers this year just out of sheer... Again, just I don't know why you would do it if you're the Clippers and the situation you're in, but you know it is what it is. It could happen. I find it very doubtful, but that still leaves one more team in front of us, and that's the ninth seed, the current ninth seed, the Sacramento Kings. They are so Clippers three games ahead of us. The Kings are two games ahead of us. Again, with 25 games left, this is completely doable. So the Sacramento Kings, two games ahead of us. The Sacramento Kings team is a, they're a good team. They have a young core of players. I say good team. I use it a little bit loosely. I mean, they don't just, they're not terrible. They're not, in my opinion, they're not a playoff team, but they're good enough. And they've beat us, I believe, once or twice this year already. So, man, maybe even three times. I think we've played them three times already. So I do see them as a team possibly trying to make the playoffs not that they will but it means that we have to get past them so again the clippers i don't see us as actively again we have to get past them of course but i don't think we're really competing heavily with the clippers like we will have to do with the kings so again so we have to get past the kings Right now, the Kings have a 16-21 and record against the Western Conference teams. Stay with me here. That's a 43% winning percentage. They play 15 games of their remaining 25 against Western Conference teams to finish the year. And at that rate, it means that they'll lose 8 or 9 games just to the Western Conference teams. Again, probably more likely 9 given some of the teams that they're actually going to be playing. Now, they do play some really good Eastern Conference teams as well that they'll most likely lose to. Uh, some of the most uh, you know more notable teams that they'll, that they'll go up against are the Bucks at home, Celtics at home, and Celtics at, in Boston, and then they have the Sixers in Philly. So they do have some, you know, that's, that's four games right there that are, more than more likely than not those are losses for for the kings so they they do play some tough western conference teams again I, i'm not going to list all the games but i think the kings will lose about 10 to 12 games to finish the year which puts them right around that 44 win mark is uh 
again, this is this is making some assumptions that I think at best the Kings' best case scenario is they lose ten games. So worst case scenario, I think you're looking more fifteen, but let's call it ten to twelve, just for our purposes. So you've got about it's around the forty four. That's a between forty three. Uh, I think 43 and, and 45 wins. Now the Lakers, again, we've got our, our work cut out for them. It's not going to be an easy path, but again, I believe we're going to make the playoffs. You know, again, this is a lot due to LeBron. Uh, in order for us to make the playoffs, we must have to have a better win percentage than when we uh, than, than before LeBron went out with injury. So yeah, we play some tough teams. Uh, we're going to have to beat some of those tough teams, but LeBron, he's got to deliver. This is why we're, you know, when games are on the line and you're making the playoffs are on the line, this is why players like LeBron get paid the big bucks. So health is a little bit of a concern. Lonzo Ball still out for a little bit. Uh, but defense is the biggest concern, even with Lonzo out. Obviously, uh, you know, essentially, Lonzo, he's going to, the moment he comes back, he's going to help. He's going to step, uh, the moment he steps on the court, he's going to help our defense just tremendously again. So, LeBron and Luke, they've got to get the other young players playing defense, like now. Stat <laughs> the Lakers. Uh, to wrap this up, we've got to win about sixteen games. So we got to win sixteen games if we to finish with forty four wins. That would tie where I kind of think the the Kings are gonna are gonna sit at. So that's a sixteen and nine record. If you're keeping track. Uh, for the remaining 25 games that we have. Again, the first game that we'll play again is going to be, I believe, Thursday against the Rockets. Tough game, most likely a loss. But 16-9, and that's a significantly better record than than before LeBron went down with injury. This is a 64%. Yes, I can do math sometimes. It's a 64% winning percentage, which is 0.2% higher than LeBron's career winning percentage in the months of March and April. Again, it's very doable, and it's going to happen. We have eight games against really tough teams like the Bucks, Warriors, Rockets. So we've got to win at least four of the eight games that we have against these tough teams, in my view. Then we have about six games against teams like a Portland, Utah, Sacramento. And we need to beat the Kings, of course, uh, and finish uh, winning four of these six games, in in my opinion. And, and we have 11 games remaining of the 25 against teams that we really should have no issue beating. But, of course, we're not going to win all the games. That would just be crazy. It'd be awesome, but it'd be crazy. <laughs> so we just need to win a really good majority of these games. So, you know, you want to go nine of nine of eleven. Like you've you've really hit, we've really got to we got to we got to beat we got to win those games and we've got to beat those teams and we've got to play really good basketball against the tough teams. So again, Lakers are going to make the eighth seed in the West. We're going to play the Warriors in the first round. <sighs> yeah, that team. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to Lakers Underground podcast. If you know what's good for you, subscribe. Please join us next time. So long.